We're continuing on with the book of Joshua, the journey into the promised land. Now, uh, I don't know. May need um, may need some rubber boots on this one. We may get may get a little a little deep. Um, you know, but please understand, especially you know, for my visitors, you know, it's like uh, you know. Uh, we look for the spiritual aspect of the word. You know, the word is is like a container. You know, and as precious as the container is, what's within it is even more precious. You know, you don't buy a super expensive container to put junk in. You know, so the things that are within the containers are even more precious than the containers themselves. You know, and this is what we're what we're seeking after. We're seeking after that wealth, that that substance that's within the containers, that that lies beyond the surface of the words. You know, so uh, that said, you know, Yah wants us to study this book of Joshua. Um, this time from the individual perspective of Joshua being the son of Nun, that is the son of be sprouted or born again. You know, a man in whom is the Ruach Hakodesh. Uh, collectively, we're speaking of those who have went through their wilderness experience, have endured this test and trials by holding on to Elohim. They have borne the hoarding of their parents and forefathers, yet they have their old man, that is their flesh man, and his lust broken down, humbled, and deadened. As a result, they're no longer fleshly or worldly, but they're now reborn spiritually via the water of the word and of the Barak HaKadosh. Now, within the book of Joshua, we can expect to learn the plan of Elohim concerning the body of Yahushua, i.e. his ecclesia, and those born-again believers that make up spiritual Israel. We'll learn how to enter into the kingdom of Elohim, what to expect one sin, as well as how to proceed one sin. Another perspective we'll be exploring is that of the land and the inhabitants of the land. How the land of Canaan uh, speak to the kingdom of Elohim that is within you, and how its inhabitants relate to the remnants of the fallen angels, demons, devils, and other unclean spirits which currently inhabit the land inherited by the born-again believer. You know, so, uh, that said, the book of Joshua, you know, we left off in um, chapter 6, and, you know, today, y'all put on my heart to do a recap. You know, before we get too far along, because we went over quite a bit, you know, at this point. And some of it is like really, really kind of on the heavy side, you know, especially if um, if you haven't heard it before, which not likely, but but let us recap. All right. So we're gonna start a little pre-Joshua taking over. We'll start with the Amorites. Because after the 40 years were up, you know, Yah had Moshe speak to the children of Israel and tell them to get to get up, get ready, and to get mobile again because he was about to take them into the land. You know, so when they started traveling, you know, they end up running to, getting into a spat with the Amorites. You know, this was the first. This um, this was the first encounter that 
those that were born in the wilderness or the second generation born again Israel, if you would, you know, encounter. You know, now, maybe I should talk about that for a second too, you know. So Israel that came out of Mizraim, that came out of Egypt, they came into the wilderness, you know, and you can kind of liken that to a, to a man that's, that's coming out of the world, so to speak, or the worldly way of things. You know, they come into the wilderness where they learn about Yah. You know, now within this wilderness, you know, all of the original folks that were 20 and over died. They died because they were, they, were, uh, they had to stay in this wilderness for 40 years until all of them died off except for two, which was Joshua and Caleb. You know, but within that period of time, there was a whole nother generation that was born in that wilderness. You know, and that nation that was born in that wilderness is just simply a picture of Israel being born again. You know, because, you know, those that stemmed from those originals was just, that came out of their loins, they just were, they were the inner them if you would, you know, that, and they gave birth, and so Israel was born again. And this is exactly what's supposed, supposed to happen to us. When we come out of the worldly way of doing things, we're supposed to be fathered from, again, fathered from above, i.e. born again as well. You know, we shouldn't be the same as we were when we came out of Egypt or when we came out of the worldly way of doing things, you know, and we start following God. We shouldn't look the same. We shouldn't act the same. We shouldn't be the same. And if you insist on being the same, then you're going to be like that 98% that died in the wilderness. You know, and so uh, the Amorites, as soon as they was all ready to get, get going, to go in and take the land, they head on their way there, and they get into this spat with the Amorites. So who were the Amorites? You know, the Amorites, you know, speak to the mountain dwellers. It speaks to those, those sayers. You know, the word literally means, you know, them that say. But Amos 2.9 tells us something very interesting about the Amorites. Amos 2.9 says, Yet destroyed I the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of the cedars, and he was strong as the oaks. And verse 10 goes on to say, And also I brought you up from the land of Mitzrayim or Egypt and led you 40 years through the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. You know, so, pop quiz. If you had to put a label to someone whose height was like the height of a cedar and was strong as an oak, what would you call him? Hallelujah. You know, y'all, 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 y'all cooking with cooking with grease today. All right. So, <laughs> yes. So, the land of the Amorites speaks to a land of giants, and this is the whole reason that Israel refused to go in and take the land in the beginning. This is why the Israel that was um, cursed to die in the wilderness. Why they were cursed to die in the wilderness because they refused to go in and take the land when it was time because they were afraid of the giants that were in the land. Amen. Anybody remember that story? Uh -huh. You know, so here it is. Yah's 
saying, you know, hey, I brought you through the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorites. Now that's important, you know, because the Amorites speaks to the land of the giants. And the Amorites inhabited much of the land of Canaan, i.e. the kingdom of Elohim. You know, so that's important to note and important to see the spiritual picture thereof. Now, I don't know if all really looked like this, but you know, here's a here's a perspective picture of Og, the king of Bashan. He was a big boy. You know, and this was one of the kings that was, you know, on the wilderness side of the Yarden. You know, and he was a very notable king. You know, and he was the king of Bashan. Bashan speaks to being fruitful. And so, you know, um, you know, but this would be more so not fruit of the Ruach HaKodesh, but more so fruit of the flesh, i.e. the lust of the flesh. You know, and so this is what kind of what he symbolizes, you know, basically satisfying the flesh. And he was the king of it. And then you had another king that was uh, on the wilderness side of the Yarden. And this was King Sihon, you know, another king of the Amorites. And he can be likened unto the, the king of the Sayers, you know. So if all, you know, is. He can, you can look at him as kind of a physical, in a physical aspect as, you know, the lust of the flesh or the fleshly nature. And Sihon is kind of like a spiritual side or um, of the giants, you know, so a spiritual giant, you know. And one of the ways that you can recognize him today is he's still saying stuff. You know, even as the name entails, it means to be a sayer. Well, he's still saying stuff. You know, you always hear people talk about him. They said this, they said that. Yeah, you know, it really speaks to the propaganda machine, you know, which is, which is uh, made to function through modern media. You know, the internet, television, radio, newspapers, magazines, you know, social media, you know. You know, just a, a picture of a spiritual Sihon. You know, he's still king of the Amorites. And trust me, he's still a giant. All right, so after they defeated King Sihon and they defeated Ug, that was in the wilderness, on the wilderness side of, of uh, the Yarden, then they had. <coughs> to come to the river Yarden. Now, we spoke about the river Yarden pretty in-depthly, so you know, I, I just want to recap, because the river Yarden paints quite the picture. It paints quite the picture. You know, it really does. As you can see from this picture, you know, the river Yarden descends, right? You know, and this is, in, a very important point in and of itself. For the River Yarden starts 
in Mount Hermon. Now Mount Hermon is the highest point. The peaks of Mount Hermon are the highest points in the in the land of Israel. So, uh, or in the land of Canaan, or we could say it's the highest points in the kingdom of Elohim. Amen. So it's the highest points. Now, the river, the river Yarden, this is where it commences at. And it goes even to the lowest point. And the lowest point is the Dead Sea. And this is actually not just the lowest point in the kingdom of Elohim or in the land of Canaan. It's the lowest point on the planet. You know, and it's right there at the Dead Sea. Lowest point, Dead Sea. Dead Sea, lowest point. You know, hmm, say loud on that for a second. Now, this is actually a picture of something that happened in the history of scripture. You know, it's found in Enoch chapter um, 6, 1 through 6. It's very similar to Genesis chapter 6 in our actuality. Let me have my first reader read Enoch chapter 6, 1 through 6, please. And it came to pass when the children of men had multiplied that in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters. And the angels, the children of the heaven, saw and lusted after them. And they said to one another, Come, let us choose wives from among the children of man and beget us children. And Semyaza, who was their leader, said unto them, I fear you will not indeed agree to do this deed, and I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. And they all answered him and said, Let us all swear an oath and all bind ourselves by mutual imprecations, not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. They sw then swear they all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And they swear in all 200 who descended in the days of Jared on the summit of Mount Hermon. And they called it Mount Hermon because they had sworn and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. Hallelujah. You know, and praise y'all for the book of Enoch, you know, and for the um, Dead Sea Scrolls that, you know, that actually validated it, you know. Because, like, this is some very, very important history right here. This is very important history. You know, and it goes, it goes unseen on the most part. You know, because, you know, the book of Enoch has been made, quote unquote, taboo by, you know, some religious leaders. You know, but we really desperately need this history to understand scripture and to understand the picture that scripture is painting. I'm going to try to paint that picture for you today. I pray it's, it's vibrant and, and it's, it's easy to, to, uh, to, to see. You know, but first of all, you know, here it is. We learned that there, there was a 200 angels that co-conspired, you know, to go against Yah's will and purposes and to come upon the earth, you know, and have them some children you know 
take the women of the earth, mate with them, and beget children. Okay? Now, these, these 200, you know, descended upon the earth in a particular place, and that particular point or place was Mount Hermon. Yes, the very same Mount Hermon that the Yarden descends from. The very same Mount Hermon that the Yarden commences from. You know, and so this is the very same place that the fallen angels came upon when they came upon the earth. I don't know about you, but I thought that was pretty big. You know, I thought that was huge, actually. And it is huge. Now, Mount Hermon with its 10,000 foot peaks is actually the highest point in the kingdom, as well as the origin of the, of the Yarden. And the Yarden literally means descender or descendant. You know, but if you think that's something, also consider it descends for approximately 200 miles. How many angels were there? Ah, oh, man. Just a coincidence, right? Um, it ends at what's the lowest spot on the earth. That is the Dead Sea. With depths of 1,200 feet. You know, Mount Hermon is also the northern border of the kingdom of Elohim. That means it's the darkest part of the land of Israel. Darkest, darkness speaks to ignorance. You know, it's the darkest part of the land of Israel. It is where the giants descended and lived during the time of Noah and likely also where they descended after the flood. Hence the Amorites, that is the giants during the time of Joshua. Uh, for example, the kings of Sihon and Og, as well as those of the city Ai and many, uh, many or most presumed that the inhabitants of Jericho were also Amorites, you know, i.e. giants. You know, and so, you know, you start seeing a picture forming. You know, Yah just so happened to be sending his people everywhere these giants are. Can you see that? You know, the River Jordan is literally a picture of the fallen angels descent from heaven to H.E. Double Hockey Sticks. It starts from the highest point, it goes all the way to the lowest point. If that's not a picture of H-E double hockey sticks, what is? And the lowest point is called the Dead Sea. So it's even associated with death. Knowing this, it's impossible to see it any other way. The river is even named after those that descended from heaven. It's called the descendant or the descender. That's what the yard means. That's literally the definition of the name. If Yah is not trying to tell us something, then what, what is this? It paints the perfect picture. Rivers, by and large, speak to truths. Therefore, Israel's crossing the river Yarden on, on dry land speaks volumes. And that the river Yarden also originates in Mount Hermon. You know, thereby teaching us that we're to come into the kingdom of Elohim without any of those truths that descended from those giants who was once corrupted from the entire, that once corrupted the entire earth. See, these giants, when they came down to the earth, they didn't just get with the women. They also 
gave gave heavenly secrets or heavenly truths that was meant to, to be secret that y'all didn't want man to know they shared them with man you know and it is uh said in the book of enoch that because they done this you know they corrupted the earth from it because they taught men the, the war. They taught men to make weapons. They taught men astronomy, the ways of the stars, divination. They taught taught the women how to make make um, makeup, you know, to to promote lust and you know, and so on and so forth. And it just corrupted mankind in every aspect to the point to where Yah felt the need to destroy all flesh. Now, it's important that we understand these things because Yahshua teaches us that in the last days it will be as in the days of Noah. Hence, this history will repeat itself. You know, so we're to be the wiser because we have the history. So we shouldn't be caught unawares because we should know what's going to happen. Amen? You know, but the enemy is on top of his game because he's hitting this stuff from us. He's hitting this stuff from us. There's a lot of stuff that's hidden behind the words. You know, and without knowing all the information, you can't properly paint the picture. See, you wouldn't see, you know, the yarden as a picture of these 200 angels that came and descended upon Mount Hermon and end up being being imprisoned in H.E. Devil hockey sticks you know if you didn't know the story of the giants you just know okay it's called the river Yarden. it means descender what does that mean I don't know it's 200 about 200 miles long what does that represent nothing just you know yes Right, the longest river on the planet, but okay. See, but you can't connect the dots without knowing the story. You know, and especially, you know, when, you know, even though this, uh, the story in large part is in, in our Bibles in Genesis 6, you know, they explain it away and say, no, that, 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 that wasn't angels, that was the sons of Cain or, or you know, some, some other wicked men and, and they got with the righteous man's um, daughters and, you know, like, really? Like, it, you know, but that stuff just goes to erase the picture that is so vividly clear once you know the truth. You know, so it's important to be able to see these connections because it's teaching us something, you know. It's teaching us something, especially when you consider, you know, Israel crossing the garden and Yah drying it up for them to cross. In other words, he's not letting any of this water touch them. He's not letting any of them truths that came from those 200 angels, that forbidden knowledge, he's not letting any of it touch them. You have to come over on dry land. You can't come over with those truths because they will corrupt you like they corrupted the people of times past can you see that you know so he brings them over 
without the water touching them. They already have their their law, which was given by him, so they don't need the law of the peoples of the land. They already have their El, which is Yah, so they don't need the Elohim of the land, which are those 200 angels. They set themselves up before the people and their children as gods. You know, so uh, it's a beautiful picture. You know, once you know the truth, you can begin to put the pieces together and actually see it. Now, once over the Yarden, the journey into the kingdom of Elohim, it actually begins at Gilgal. And Gilgal speaks to a stone circle. And it's believed by many that these stone circles were a type of calendar. You know, could it be that Yah was giving them the calendar he wanted them to have? You know, and set it up for them so that they always have a reference point. You know, at Gilgal. You know, now, there were Gilgals all throughout the land of Israel. You, you, you see them spoken of um, somewhat frequently throughout Scripture. You know, it's not all talking about the same place. You know, but Gilgal spoke to a stone circle. And it's pretty interesting that when they came over the yard and Yah told them to take 12 stones and set them up at Gilgal. You know, so say lie on that. Once there, they were commanded to circumcise themselves. Israel had to be circumcised. And, and so, you know, we spoke about how this circumcision, the circumcision represented the circumcision of the heart. And how our hearts need to be circumcised. If you're going to dwell in the kingdom of Elohim, you know, you're going to have to circumcise your heart. And do understand that the kingdom of Elohim is in each and every one of us. You know, and so what we're talking about is talking about taking a journey into thyself. You know, and your heart has to be circumcised first and foremost. It's one of the first things. You got to cut away all the things that are not of Yah. You know, and so this is what Gilgal represents as well. The rolling away of the things that are not of Elohim. You know, you have to be circumcised, you know, before you move forward. And you also have to take over, take partake of the Passover. The Passover lamb, which of course represents our Messiah, Yahushua. Amen? You know, and so... You know, this speaks to Yahshua's commandments, words, and sayings. You know, and so we also have to adhere to them, you know, by taking over the Passover. This is the body, um, i.e. the flesh of Yahshua and his blood, you know, which speaks to his covenant and his commandments, words, and sayings. Now, it's important to note that Jericho is Israel's first battle kingdom side of the yard. Jericho is Israel's first battle kingdom side of the yard with Joshua or the body of Yahushua as their leader. Now, this is Yah's way of telling us that 
the defeat of spiritual Jericho is the number one C or doctrine doctrine where to overcome after we've circumcised our hearts. Now cities in scripture represent doctrine. We went over this when we went over earlier on. You know, and I know like, you know, the book of Joshua is much like it's much like uh the discipleship course in all actuality. But uh, you know, I I I had to go there because I don't wanna have to do it again. You know, so <laughs> You know, because um, y'all will make me do it over. So um, I'm going to get it right. So be that as it may. Now, this is the first battle. So this is the number one city or doctrine that we're to overcome after we've circumcised our hearts. We have to overcome this doctrine of the Jericho. And, you know, so as soon as we get over into, as soon as we get into the kingdom of Elohim, you know, the first thing is we have to circumcise our hearts. The second thing is we have to partake of, of Yahshua's covenant and begin to eat his flesh. You know. Now, let us also consider that Jericho is located within the, the Yarden Valley. The Yarden Valley, um, which is about six to eight miles north of the Dead Sea. It's the lowest point on earth. The Dead Sea is the lowest point on earth, thereby making Jericho the lowest inhabited city in the world. It's still the lowest inhabited city in the world. Meaning it's the closest city to death. It's the closest to the Dead Sea. It's the closest to H-E double hockey sticks. You know, so what is this painting a picture for us? It's painting a picture for us that the doctrine that was adhered to at Jericho will get you into H-E double hockey sticks the quickest. It's the closest to death. Now, the city's name, Jericho, teaches us uh, of the city's character, authority, and reputation because that's what's entailed in a name. Any, any name entails the character, authority, and reputation of a thing. You know, like if I ask you, do you know... Um, do you know Michael Jordan? You know, you know everybody. Yeah, I know who Michael Jordan is. You know, and I ask you, but do you know Michael Jordan? No, you just know his of his reputation. You know, you just know of his authority on the basketball um, um, court. You know, this is how you know him. You know him from his character, authority, and reputation concerning basketball. And so, anything. You know, um, with a name, it entails these these fundamental characteristics because that's what a name does. You know, now Jericho is defined as its moon or month. Now, there's nothing that has a moon outside of the night. Neither is there anything that has a lunation outside of a lunar month. And nothing has lunar months but lunar, lunar calendars and solar lunar years. Or solar lunar calendars. So the only calendars that have lunar months are lunar calendars and solar lunar calendars. Now, Jericho is also depicted scripturally as a city of palm trees. Now, this teaches us that Jericho's doctrine have a form or perception of righteousness within it. And this is what makes it dangerous. This is what makes it dangerous because it's actually, you know, it's painting a picture of a doctrine 
that has the form of righteousness. It has the perception of righteousness within it. And, not, and that's what makes it dangerous. Jericho's location being within the promised land, that is the land of Canaan, the kingdom of Elohim, um, teaches us that this doctrine is within each and every one of us. So there's a doctrine concerning, concerning righteousness that has the form of righteousness within each and every one of us. We want to make certain it's not Jericho. You know, and we know that Jericho, from its name, it speaks to lunar calendars and it speaks to solar lunar calendars. For example, you have the Hillel calendar, which is uh, a solar lunar calendar, and you have the Hijri calendar or the Islamic calendar, which is a lunar calendar. You know, so, you know, Keep that in mind, you know, because you have to overcome this Jericho and this doctrine that, that they have. Now we'll explore Jericho's being a walled city. The word wall is Koman in Hebrew is number 2346. It means to join. This teaches us that their wall or their defense is that they're strongly or tightly joined together. That is, they're unified in their doctrine. It is then apparent from this that if we're to overcome this city or this doctrine of giants we're going to first have to get past this wall of unification and yes there were giants in Jericho in fact the Arabs called Jericho the city of the giants you know also consider uh, Joshua 6 2 it says and Yahuwah said unto Joshua see I have given into thine hand Jericho the king thereof and the mighty men of valor this word mighty men of Valor or mighty men is Gibberine, number 1368. It means powerful by implication, a giant. You know, this is what the giants became in the time of Noah in Genesis 6. When we look at Genesis 6 4, it says, There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of Elohim came unto the daughters of men and they bare children unto them, the same became mighty men, Gibberine, which were of old men of renown. Additionally, let us not negate that Enoch 8.8 8 teaches us that it was a fallen angel, Sariel or Saradel, that taught men the course of the moon. So this is how we even learned about the lunations and how all that, all that went. It was by one of the fallen angels. To be clear, the city of Jericho speaks to a calendrical doctrine that incorporates lunations or months within its years. For example, like I aforementioned, the Hillel and the Hizri um, calendars. And just how are we to overcome such a formidable fault? According to Joshua chapter 6, it's only with Yah's help in the form of his instructions and our obedience to those instructions. You know, consider Joshua 6, 3 through 5. Let me have my next read to read Joshua 6, 3 through 5. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day he shall compass the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets. 
And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Hallelujah. You know, now this is how Jericho is to be overcame. This is the only way Jericho can be overcame. Now ask yourself, what do you think would have happened if Joshua and Israel would not have followed these instructions? The wall would never have came down. The walls would have never came down. They would have never defeated Jericho. That's right. What does this teach us? This teaches us that if we're going to defeat our enemies, we're going to have to adhere to the instructions of our El. We can't do it our way. Yahuwah Elohim is an El of specificity. We have to do things specifically the way he asked us yes. to do it. Yes. You know, he's kind of like McDonald's and not like Burger King. Uh -oh. McDonald's, you go there and you ask for a Big Mac, you're going to get two all beef patty special sauce, lettuce, cheese on a sesame seed bun. You can't hold the sesame seeds. You can't hold the lettuce or the tomatoes. You're going to get two all beef patty special sauce, lettuce, cheese on a sesame seed bun. Now you go to Burger King, you can have it your way. You can hold the lettuce and tomatoes. You can tell them don't even give you the burger patty, you know. But you can't do that at McDonald's. So y'all is more like McDonald's, not like Burger King. You got to have it his way or the highway. You know, so, you know, we have to learn to follow instructions. We have to learn to be obedient. We can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it our own way. We need y'all to be with us. If we're going to overcome. So that's the first thing we have to understand. You know. Is we have to do it. Yah's way. Not our way. Next week we will get into. What Yah's way was. You know. So that's all I have for you today. Prayer was a blessing.